Hello, my field daisies. Uh, I wanted to ring in 2023 by posting a podcast that was recorded in the beginning of 2022. Uh, this is a continuation of my podcast with Alisa and Tanvi. If you haven't checked out our Never Have Ever podcast, I highly recommend it. It's one of my most popular episodes and it's such a good time. And this is what we recorded afterward that just never got published. So here I am doing it now. And before we get into the episode, I just wanted to let you know that there are two things that have changed. One being um, I'm no longer with the boyfriend that I mentioned in the podcast. We can go into more detail about that later. And two, we talk about Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye, who now goes by they, them pronouns. So I really hope you guys enjoy. It's really, truly one of my favorite episodes and just re-listening to it. I'm just like, I can't believe I never posted this. So um, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Love y'all. Thanks for listening. And I hope you have a daisy-ish day. Hello, my field daisies. We are back with Alisa and Tombi. Hello. Even though this is the same night that we're recording, it's new for you. So hello again. Um, what is our life lesson this time, Alisa? So our life lesson for this episode is that you are where you're meant to be. Yes. And I truly believe that. And I think that's a great life lesson. All right. Roll the intro music. Tombi's trying to win the affection of my cat, which you are doing pretty successfully. She does love that birdie. <laughs> I love that I look, when I look at Sunny, like her mm-hmm. eyes are almost like red. Like, <laughs> yeah, that bird, like mm-hmm. it's her child. Yeah, I know her evil. Like thing is, but then she also tears at it like it's her a bird. It's like it's like I will I will love you and caress you, but also I'm gonna bite the crap out of you. At this point, if I stuck my hand in there, I'd be gone. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. She would consider that part of the prey for sure. But she's so cute. <laughs> it makes me so happy that you love my cat, and the reason why I said is just because like she is a hard creature to love. You know, she's cute, <laughs> but she's feisty. She's a feisty little girl. So I want that love even more. What kind of <laughs> yeah. damaged goods am I? <laughs> what do I say about your relationships, though? What I'm is just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, man. Although I've had some really mm-hmm. good partners, if I, you yeah. know. Yeah. I tell my mom that, too. Yeah, and from what I've heard, I mean, it seems like you also maintain a healthy balance of, like, okay, this seems like a natural, like, ending for the relationship. Yeah, like, let's yeah. mutually both decide to, like, do this and, like, not hurt each other. I think yeah. that's And not extend really it way impressive. longer than you needed to, just for the sake of, like, yeah. oh, convenience or yeah. like comfort because like you mentioned like because i had a boyfriend in college and like he graduated first but i still stayed with him and i i wish i would have just broken up and had that natural like ending point you know because i think that's like that's a very mature thing to realize like that's probably like the best thing to do you know i have a feeling that it's very easy to get caught up in it when mm-hmm. it's happening but if you go in with the intention of we're young and i'm not intending on marrying you mm-hmm. that is like what allows it to like you know, come to its natural end because you kind of, you kind of accept that like, there's no reason to continue. Not that there's no reason, but that like, I don't know. Do you get into relationships assuming that you're practicing for marriage, like mm-hmm. with that person? That's it. Because we were talking about this before. Is like, do you want to get married? Right. And like, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that because yeah, I don't. I want to be in a relationship for the 
fun of being in that relationship and experiencing life together for the amount of time that we're in that relationship I don't necessarily see it as a precursor to being married to that person. Mm. See, like, I think I'm opposite, whereas, like, I think I'm at a point in my life where, like, I know I want to have one partner indefinitely, whether that means marriage or life partner or whatever, but, like, I'm dating for that. Like, I'm dating for right. that. Right, that's, that that's exactly goal. what I was like. Do you, yeah. Are you dating for that? Exactly. Right, so, like, I would break up with someone if I'm, like, I don't see this going towards that. Right, because it feels like yeah. a waste of time mm-hmm. because you're working towards something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's I'm, like, the, the flip coin of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, but mm-hmm. that is the essential difference is that mm-hmm. I'm not working towards anything. Yeah, so it's, like, it's, like, the break, it's, like, um, it's, like, losing $100 versus losing a quarter kind of thing kind of or it's just like accepting that i want to have a great time with you over the next year not not that we have to determine how long the relationship will last (laughs) but like i want to grow with you i want to go through my life my changes my what everything that would have happened to me without you i would love to go through that with you Mm. and fuck a lot No, you and know, if like, that ends, then that's kind of like the signification of yeah. like, hey, maybe this isn't going to work out kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely fuck right up until the end. Both <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, you know, it's really yeah. interesting to mm-hmm. kind of hear both your perspectives because it's very, it's very different. And mm-hmm. I almost feel like I'm a little bit in the middle in the sense of like, I don't really, I mean, similar to you, I don't have any sort of intentions when I go into a relationship. And even with my relationship now, right, it's like, now I do, now I, I have to start thinking about kind of, you're in too deep. I'm in too deep. I'm in almost like six years, right? Like I yeah. kind of have to think about it. But mm-hmm. like I think when I initially go into a relationship, it's not that I think like, oh, I want to get married to this person. It's mm-hmm. more of like kind of going approaching with what your your mindset of like, I just want to have fun. I want to explore what, it, what, what it's like, right? Mm-hmm. And then like maybe now that I'm later in this thing where it's like all of a sudden you see your peers around you kind of getting married. Everybody's getting married and having kids. Everybody's getting married, Mm -hmm. right. And so there's this, like, inherent pressure, and it's, like, I I have to, like, honestly be truthful with myself, too. It's, like, how much of it is, like, just this, like, rebellion of, like, this counterculture of, like, oh, so many people are getting married. I don't want to get married. That's, I don't want to, I don't want to follow along and, like... conform to the norm. Yeah, I don't want to conform to the norm versus, like, me just actually not wanting it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as a person, I'm very much, like, go with the flow and I don't know if it's like also part of I don't want again I, I, I don't want to fall into this trap of blaming everything on my parents but like you know my parents stayed together for 40 some years 40 plus years right 40 years I don't know if they they're meant to be together right they take care of each other now but like fighting constantly always pitting mm-hmm. like trying to get us to like take sides with them and it's like sometimes you you wonder like isn't it better for you to just be that, that's separate. how the seven-year-old mm-hmm. and me felt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, like, but my parents never, you know, they never split. Even to this day, yeah. like, there's this, uns, you know, unspoken thing where they kind of just endured. And they're both, like, my mom keeps saying that she's depressed and she's so unhappy with my dad. Mm-hmm. And she's like, your dad is so awful. Like, all these things. I'm yeah, like, but they stay, but I'm in a very similar boat. Like, but they stay together. But they stay together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's like. I don't know how much of, like, how I... I, don't I know love much, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would have like, rather been so in your empowered. situation. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad mm-hmm. that, like, she knew that for... Like, I don't know if, if it was your mom who instigated the, mm-hmm. the split, but, mm-hmm. like, she knew that about herself. Like, she, this is not the life that she wanted to have. And I'd rather... I'd rather both of my parents have chosen, like, happiness and, like, over convenience, over, like, comfort, right? You know it what I mean? It took a lot of strength. It did. Yeah. And we don't all have that strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, like, again, I don't, like... I don't blame them. Like, that's no, kind of the, yeah. the culture and, like, that's how... And in some ways, I mean, it's... it's, it's I'm glad that they've endured because, like, I think they do, like, 
help each other out in different ways, right? But I think, like, that's kind of influenced the kind of people that I've been with and, like, also, not the people I've been with, but how I've approached relationships and also, like, Mm -hmm. my sister and how, like, you know, both of us have been in relationships way, 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 way longer than we should have been. You know what I mean? Like, we've, like, stuck it out, stuck it out. And the only reason, the only reason why we broke up was because the other person decided they were fed up with us. And it wasn't, like, even though it was, like, years or even, like, months, you know, of us, like, not, like, meshing well. Like, so interesting. It not being right, right? And so. Well, what have you learned about that? I have learned. You are where you're supposed to be. You are where you're supposed to be, like, you know. And I I think it's hard, right? Like, because I I still see, I mean, I still see these kinds of patterns with, like, my, my sister with, like, you know, like, just, like kind of going along with the flow, going along with what's convenient because like dealing with these harder emotions, dealing, actually doing the self-care of doing what is hard is too hard. And what you do instead is go the easy route, which is the safe route, which is the the status quo, Mm -hmm. right? And I think, you know, like part of my, you know, internal work of what it means to be an actor is trying to discover like, is it is it right for me to take this risk, right? Is it right for me to, like, want to pursue this one thing because, mm-hmm. um, like, safety is my default. Like, I will always, like, default to safety. I will always default to, like, um, what I know. And it's so hard to, like, fight against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I will say that's really interesting to hear your perspective on that because for me... It's like, in terms of relations, I didn't always used to be like, oh, dating with intention. I was always like, oh, I can go with the flow and see where things are. But then I read Defining Decade, which media obsession, sincere shout out, whatever. And it kind of like changed my perspective on like dating and the fact like, okay, what what, what, what do I want in the future? Do I want, do I see myself with one person? And if that's the case, then like I should date with intention now. Because once you hit your 30s, it's like, you're like, you're in, like, say you're in a relationship with someone in your 30s, you're like, well, I guess we're in our 30s, let's just get married, we're just here, you know? Yeah. And I'm, go ahead, I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Please play devil's advocate. How natural do you think it is in this century in which humans are living three times as long as they were initially planning on living? To have more than, or to have only one marriage. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's like a really interesting point too, because like for me, it's like it's not like I'm like I don't want to do what my parents did, where they like they got married and they just felt like they have to stay there even if they're both miserable. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Like I'm more than happy to divorce. That's why I kind of think prenups should be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but like, but for me personally, like uh, you know, I think people can have more than one partners, but like what I want for my life is like I want to grow old with someone. I want to like live through all of my life experiences with someone. However, mm. do you think there could be a landing point in between where you switch partners and grow old with a different person? I do. That that could happen. That could happen. what's happening mm-hmm. by, like, overwhelming demand is people will have kids together. They'll be like, kids are 18, they're at college. Why are we still together? I'm going to go have an affair with this person. You're going to have an affair with this person. We might as well just break up, go marry those other people mm-hmm. instead. People are having multiple relationships yeah. in their lifetimes. Yeah, and, and I think that's true, but to, like, argue with... I, I love how we're talking. Yeah. Like, this is a healthy discussion. I, I, but to, like, bring it back to where I am is, like, I want to set myself up for success. I want to be with someone who wants to be with me. Our values align. Our lifestyles align. You know, like, our, our future goals align. Like, in the book, Defining Decade, there's, like, this section with this, like, 29 conversations that you should have with your partner. And literally, me and Pranjal are going to have those conversations. We haven't had them yet, yeah. but I want to have it with him because like 
for me, it's like, I want to date with purpose. And like, if, if we don't align on these things or if we can't come to a compromise or like agree to disagree, then like, I mean, that's just very signifying of like where our relationship's going to I mean, that's, you know, then you default to like what is comfortable, the status Mm -hmm. quo, and you don't really address like Mm -hmm. if there are glaring issues or there are glaring like value misalignments, you kind of like, I think that's a very responsible way Mm -hmm. to go. (laughs) No, I'm serious about actually Mm -hmm. making sure that this relationship is right for you. Mm-hmm. instead of going like the safe way of things it also what made me think it made me think about how like if we really are where we're meant to be you can have all the intention of the world of being with this person or being that with that person or whatever like most likely you'll just end up with the person that you're meant to be. i mean that's true you'll end up with who yeah. you're supposed to be with and like you can do all this preparation and like still things like that happen for sure but, like, think about I it this, like, it yeah, like, with your example of people staying together for the kids, and then after the kids, they're like, why are we still together? They should have thought of that earlier. Do they really like each other, or do they just wanted to have kids and a family, people you know? People grow, but people, people change. Grow, people change. change. But I will, uh, I know. I'm not disagreeing with you, <laughs> yeah. though. I, 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 I see the uh, point in your argument as well. I'm just saying, like, it's like, I think we do our most, bleh, most, most growth, <laughs> In the 20s. And I feel like once right. you kind of hit your 30s onward, it's like you have these like habitual patterns, it's right? It's, it's a little bit more predictable. And I'm, saying, I'm not saying it's impossible to change once you're past, yeah. you know, past your 20s. It's just more difficult. That's why I say it's responsible because mm-hmm. you're going into it with the acceptance of the fact that things might change. And that's why you're doing this like sort of groundwork now to be like, I want to be intentional about this relationship so that even if things change down the line, I know that what we were going for was alignment, you know, that, like, if things change, it's because things change and not because we didn't find yeah, the right, yeah. like, match. Because, like, know? I think for me, it's just, like, with my last relationship, I felt like I wasted a lot of time because I stayed in it longer than I should have. Like, mm-hmm. we had our great moments. It was really happy. But, like, I think there was a point where we should have broken up earlier and I yes. should have spoke up and said something. And so, like, for me, like, thinking about that experience, I'm like, I just don't want to waste time anymore. Because, like, when you look back on it, it's like, it was a waste of time. You no, know? but it wasn't a waste of time. Was, yeah. Because you learn from it. you learn from yeah. that, But right? I don't want to do it again because yeah. I learned from it. Of course. It. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's true. Like, I, I, I don't regret that relationship at all. It taught me so much. And, like, it taught me to, like, stand my ground in a relationship and like what I want in a partner and everything like it taught me so much but like it was definitely like brutal and hard and like I can talk about this offline but our breakup was like insane it was like I mean just to sum it up literally I like came in and I was like we need to break up and like I packed up all my stuff that and we like talked till like 5 a.m but I had to leave like it was just so toxic like, I just had to get out. So, like, I literally walked in the door. Like, I had to, like, was talking with my therapist. Like, how should I do this? How should I do this? And she was just, just like, literally, say that you need to do it. Pack your things and go. And, like, mm-hmm. literally, that's what I did. I had, because I, I just was staying in it for so long. And, like, I feel kind of bad in retrospectively because I think I did catch him off guard. Like, we both loved each other. And the fact that I just, like, came in and did that. You know, and there was talks before of us breaking up and, like, we got back together or whatever. But, like, the fact that I just, like, ended it so harshly, I think it really hurt him. And I really do feel bad about it. But it was just messy. Like, I had to get out. I was feeling, like, unhappy. And, like, it was just, it was messy. I yeah. mean, it was messy. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's the thing, though. You kind of, you, you I think. It had to be done. It had, yeah, to, be, it had, to, be I had done. to be done. I had to rip that Band-Aid. Like, I really did. You did what was best for you. And I don't think, um, I mean, in interest, yes, you should be mindful of other people's feelings and be empathetic. Mm-hmm. But like in this given moment, you had to do what was. I had to for be you. selfish. Yeah. yeah, I really did. Oh, Sunny just gave you a kiss. Four of them. Oh, 
Okay, my cat Sunny is kind of a evil little furry demon, and she's been so nice to Tommy and Elisa. You've been such a good kitty. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna pretend to ignore you so then you don't. Yeah. Whoa. I think I heard that. I heard that on the mic. That was such a heavy hiss. Why would you I don't know. Why? So <laughs> she I don't just moved noses with me. Yeah, yeah. She is. She is like my personal space. I will let you touch me if I want it. If I do not want it, I do not want it. Yeah. Like you so know, I will instigate. I, it, I respect that, Sunny. I respect your boundaries. Okay, I yeah. respect it. It's just, just so confusing. But she literally was like, "Yes," and then <laughs> the minute that I like did it, she was <laughs> like, "No." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like she like if she doesn't want to be t- and like I think as an owner, mm-hmm. I just know her, so I know when she doesn't want to be touched and so like because I've had this close relationship with her she feels comfortable to like sit on my chest and get the pets like when she wants to get the pets she will she will ask for the pets but it's very rare and usually when I'm sleeping so yeah (laughs) anyway we've been talking for 17 minutes already isn't that crazy honestly it's so easy talking with you guys I feel like you guys Mm -hmm. have such like interesting perspectives too but that being said, we need to wrap up the podcast. So on Daisy-ish Days, I do these two segments that um, I would do with every podcast, and so I want to do it with you two. The first thing is called Sincere Shoutouts. And Elisa, you kind of know the drill for this. Tom, we have explained it for you a little bit. But for the first time listeners that don't know what this is, this is where ad breaks are going to go whenever I get advertisers. But for now since we don't have advertisers, sincere shoutouts are basically an opportunity for my for myself and for my friends to shout out any product, person, place, thing that they want to shout out. So um, who wants to go first to shout out? I'll go first. Okay. I would like to shout out, sincerely shout out Daisy Dye <laughs> for two reasons. One, because she's an incredible content creator and I love that y'all are her feel daisies. Um, yes, and these are daisy-ish days. <laughs> Just lovely. And second of all, because she's had a huge impact on my life recently and also in my earlier formative college years. Uh, she's really helped me find my identity as a non-binary person. I couldn't be more grateful for that. Oh so my thank gosh. you, Daisy. Here. Yeah, I, oh my gosh. Okay, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Because the thing is, like, I feel like you've had such a huge impact on my life as well because, like, I don't know. It's so funny the way that we reconnected because we were we were like acquaintances in college, sort of. We hung out a few times. We did a play together, but then like literally, like I posted an Instagram story of like, "Oh, I'm an SF," and you're like, "You're an SF. Let's hang out." And like, I don't know. It's just, it's. I think it's really hard to make friends as adults. Like mm-hmm. versus like when you're in elementary school or high school, it's like you're surrounded by people and like you just are with those people. But like making them as adults is hard. And I'm so thankful to have both of you guys as friends. Sincere shout out to both of you for being like very impactful in my life. And like also like, and we've talked about this on a different podcast, but like we have similar mental health struggles. And just the fact that I can relate to someone on that level just makes me feel so happy. So like, and I'm so happy, like, honestly, like, I didn't realize how impactful I was to you and your gender identity. I thought I was just giving you some style tips. But like, that makes me like, so happy that I was an integral part of that. So your style is impeccable now, and I think I can have say that I was a little bit helpful in that. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I do have the like follow up of what Tanvi was saying. Like, mm-hmm. I think content creation is so hard, and so the mm-hmm. fact that you are creating content, I think, is super special. Yeah, and I've really appreciated our friendship since you've mm-hmm. come to the Bay, and like obviously before that, but definitely since 
how we've re- reconnected since we've come back. Yeah, because I think we had a very similar like reconnection story as well. I don't remember how we reconnected. I think I, I just reached out to you. I was like, hey, do you want to catch up and do a podcast And I was me? like, sure, yeah. <laughs> I've been meaning to do yeah, a podcast. That's literally how we caught up is like we hadn't spoken to each other for like I think a couple of years. And I was just like, hey, you want to do a podcast? And I think the great thing about this is like it gets people to open up. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's, I don't know, I really enjoy doing it. There are times where I'm like, it's really hard. Like I literally didn't do it for like months. And then I'm now just picking it up again in 2022. Yeah. So, like, just to hear you guys call me a content creator is, like, really, like, you affirmative. Yeah, Thank you Because, like, I beat myself up all the time. Like, oh, I'm, I literally missed two weeks. And, like, I'm doing this now. And I'm, like, I'm, like, ah, like, oh, beat myself up. But, like, you are where you're meant to be. You are where you're meant to be. I think that's an important life lesson. And, like, I'm in the process of, like, becoming a consistent content creator. And I'm very proud and happy of where I am in the journey of it. So, yeah. Yeah, all right, awesome. Alisa, what is your sincere shout-out? So my sincere shout-out for today is for my acting studio where I've been taking classes. And so this acting studio has the opportunity to take online classes, which is super special um, because I'm now able to take classes in L.A. And so being based out of the Bay Area, having all these classes being shut down, it was really important for me to have a really good education, um, acting education. And so I'm gonna put my sincere shout out to Graham Shield Studios, in particular my instructor, Crystal, who has seen right through me. Um, and as I've come back to acting and have felt so insecure with my acting and know and get really frustrated with myself in terms of like my progress, she's always the one to be like, hey, Stop beating yourself up. She's the one to see right through me and see all through all my beats and all my moments of where I'm fighting with myself. And I think it's just been a really great experience to have this kind of growth with her and with the studio. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, and I will say, like, as an Asian American, watching an Asian American pursue an acting career, it just gives me so much inspiration and hope. And, like, it's just so amazing that you're doing this. Because, like, I will say, I mean, it's, like, I think there is a lot more diversity in TV and film and plays now. But still, like, it is, like, an uphill battle. And the fact that you're pursuing your passion like this is just so inspiring. I hear a plane. Um... Okay, I just wanted the plane yeah, to go away. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's so amazing. And like I, um, whenever I see like an Asian actor on screen, it just like, it just brings me so much joy. And, and I think it's like in a way that like is different than when I, because I feel like with Caucasian or white people, like it's like they see themselves on the screen all the time. So it's not like yeah. a special feeling. But for me, it's like, I remember I was like on a plane back home from New Orleans and I watched Blue Bayou because I saw that Justin Chong was on, he like directed and wrote and like starred in it. Mm-hmm. And he played like a Louisiana, a, a Korean adop- adoptee. So he had like a thick Southern accent playing like a completely different version of like what you would see for an Asian character. I just like loved it for the fact that it was just so different. Something that I hadn't seen before. Like an Asian with a Southern accent. Like I grew up in Alabama. Like the fact that like we do exist, you know, I do say y'all like we have like, you know, so just to see like representation like that is really cool. So kudos to you for pursuing that. Oh, thank you. And I think, you know, representation is always going to be something that like I'll think about and we're, 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 we're looking for because for so long we've seen, you know, people who kind of vaguely look like this. And mm-hmm. when I say that, I mean like Asian people being put in roles that are, you know, either a side character, a mistress. Like if we're lucky, you get to be 
the love interest for a hot sec. Yeah. Or, but, like, in most cases, you're, mm-hmm. like, an extra. You're In most cases, you're the kung fu master, the yeah. over The side story. The side story. The grocery clerk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, mm-hmm. like, seeing... And so, for me, like, you know, part of my dis- disillusionment with, like, acting and what part of the reason why I took a break was because I didn't want to fulfill some of those stereotypes of, like oh, well, I'm just going to be playing a meek, you know, Asian person who, you know, can't stand up for herself and whatever. And, you know, now that there are more stories coming out for Asian, specifically and specifically with my identity, like Asian American stories, and that the ones that are so nuanced and the ones that, like, I don't hear about, which, for example, Blue Bayou, which I haven't mm-hmm. watched, but what you are saying, Louisiana, like someone who's Korean mm-hmm. identifying living in you know in louisiana mm-hmm. and so yeah. there's so many of these stories that are being missed because like if you can like we have so many movies out there like i i didn't realize how many variants of white people that we could have <laughs> but that's yeah. the exact same for mm-hmm. any other culture it's just we don't see that re- like representation on tv yeah exactly and actually i think this is a great segue into media obsessions so like for those of you who don't know, like media sessions is just anything that me and my friends are obsessing over, whether it be podcast, music, TV, like we were talking about, or film. Um, so any kind of media obsessions that you guys have had recently? I'm just curious. Okay, so I have... <laughs> Sorry, there's like a, 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 a glass clink. Yeah. I'll just start again. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> I have two media obsessions currently. Both of them are kind of old school, honestly. One of them is Queer Eye, which has been going on for, you know, a really long time, but for some reason I only discovered it somewhat recently. I mean, they just had a new season out, so that's probably Maybe why. Maybe that's yeah. why, yes. And I guess I was something inside of me was not wanting to watch it before, but now I did want to watch it, and I think I watched all six seasons or however many. Did it make, did it make you cry? Um, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. it made me tear up sometimes. It's really beautiful. Yes, yeah. exactly. The things that made me tear up were the fact that they brought so much confidence to the people that they were working with so specifically what I learned and what I kind of want to shout out is things like how self-care can help you know your confidence in yourself and how dressing yourself so this has been like a huge theme for me recently is like how you choose to present yourself to the world like some of the things that they talk about is like okay make five make five minutes for yourself for your beauty routine I couldn't really understand why that was so important before but now I see through queer eye like how it really changes that person and like how they think of themselves and like the time that they give for themselves to actually develop and and really spend time with like their own person rather than who they are outside all of the time like combined with this overall theme in my life going on right now of like how self-care helps you be the best person the best version of yourself seeing just something like okay a simple five minute beauty routine gives you that kind of like soul nourishment that you need so that you can go out and do all those things that make you so special the reasons why people fucking nominated you right Mm -hmm. like small things like that and then also the really impactful nature of dressing yourself and seeing yourself in a certain way because very often the way that we see ourselves in a mirror does not actually like represent who we are inside And so by looking at the way that, you know, tan will dress a person and show them different sides of themselves that they'd never seen before. And the fact that they are moved to tears, like they really do start to say like, oh my God, I've never seen myself like that. 
you know, it showed me that it, there's, it's so impactful to actually think about how you want to present yourself to the world. And that's really important for a non-binary or any sort of queer person because so much of how we express our gender identity and the way that we exist in the world is through how we choose to dress ourselves and how we choose to express. So I was never somebody that really cared what I look like on the outside, but now Queer Eye has shown me how intrinsic showing up as who I feel like on the inside mm -hmm. is important for me feeling like who I want to be in the world. That's so mm. beautiful. Yeah. I almost wish like I could have like nominated you and that you just like, went on that journey <laughs> <laughs> on like on the actual show. That would have been so awesome. But like I'm so glad that just like watching the show actually took you through that journey too, which is yeah. amazing. And clearly yeah. I'm still working through it. Clearly there's still a lot but of But you are where there. you're supposed to be. So. I am where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> and fuck the other one, honestly. Seinfeld yeah. was great. Shout out to Seinfeld. <laughs> I really don't need to get into it. But wait, do you want to shout out um, uh, be curious with Jonathan. Yeah, Dennis. yeah. So yeah. I mean, like I said, Jonathan was also like was already such a um, big part of Queer Eye in that he brought this perspective on how just giving yourself time re-energizes you to be the person that everybody loves. And he's come out with this new show for himself about being curious about a lot of things. And, you know, the first episode is about bugs. So it kind of like gets the audience to already be in this like open minded mode of like, wow, bugs are beautiful. OK, I see kind of what's going to be the theme of this show. You know, and, and in particular, the third episode is where Jonathan features a bunch of non-binary folks, you know, two spirit folks who really do discuss like degendering fashion. And so this has been really really you know powerful thing for me to see is how non-binary people can use fashion as like a powerful tool to actually break barriers and feel like there's a place for them in the world so thank you to jonathan for creating that episode and for creating this series overall that kind of challenges us to think about things in a different way and accept things differently than what we're used to yeah, I really, I definitely want to check it out. So I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, I think it was really um, like insightful of what what you were sharing about like how you present yourself makes such a huge impact on both your internal state and like just also how you exist in this world, right? Like, I think there's been a huge, um, I don't want to say like like, but there there've been a lot of people who like put down like people like. Who, in particular, you know, women identifying people who put their focus on and attention on making themselves look good. Like, oh, like, you're spending so much money on fake eyelashes, on, like, manicures, and on, like, all these little things, right? And, you know, I, I think as long as it's not coming from this, like, this dysmorphic feeling of, like, I need to change who I am in order to be my best self, but versus, instead of thinking about that and thinking more in terms of, like, this is how I want to present myself, and this is how I choose to present sorry, myself. Sorry, Sunny is yeah. loving that toy. I'm sorry, at least. No, no, I'm like, I love this background noise. Like, that's what, at night, she gets the midnight jitters, and she just, like, she yeah. just, that's, I'm telling you, she plays by herself. She literally mm -hmm. has the time of her life. Demon, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, I 100% I, I agree. She's an only cat. She's <laughs> literally an only, only cat. cat. Maybe she needs another cat to play with her. I don't know, maybe. But anyway, anyway, 
But yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I think, because I like getting my nails done, and I know it's expensive, and I know it's, like, a thing that I could, like, literally be investing the money, or I could be spending it on other things, but it just, it makes me happy. It makes me happy yeah. to do it. You know, so, like, I think... There is a certain, like, I think there's also, like, taking it too far. Like, thinking just about your appearance, not looking internally. Right. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like, you know, you can take it to the extreme. Which is probably what I was rejecting mm-hmm. in the first place. You like right. to be the, um, the rebel. Kind yeah. of, yeah. And yeah. also just, like, value systems again. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I didn't understand the value of self-care, so therefore I didn't understand that manicures were more than just an aesthetic thing. Mm-hmm. But if it was just an aesthetic thing, I totally didn't care about it, and I wanted to differentiate myself as more substance than, like, appearance. But that's exactly why I needed to learn this lesson, that mm-hmm. there's more to it than just aesthetic, and mm-hmm. it actually has to do with, like, identity. Yeah, right, right. identity and, like, how you feel and how you, like, navigate the world. Like, you're more confident if you're dressed in the way that you feel confident. Dress for success. Dress yeah. for success. That's a thing. I really think it's true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to think that it meant that, like, you're superficial you were, or something. Yeah. yeah. Or that, like, if you were enough on your own, then people wouldn't need to see you dressed up to believe that you were successful and that, like, if you were good enough, you could be successful, like, without, you know, that kind of representation. Mm-hmm. But finally, I'm getting over that hump and realizing no matter what, like, your outsides can also match your insides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's not for them it's like recognizing that this is for yourself right yeah and I think like I think that's the key is like it once you start doing it for others I think it can be toxic yeah um also careful um once you start doing it for others I think it can be toxic but it's like when you do it for you that's when it's really powerful I think yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's fun it's fun I do want yeah. <laughs> I do want my insides to match my outside mm-hmm. because yes. my insides are pretty fun. There yeah. are a bunch if you were to cut me open, there would be lots of colors inside. You would bleed yes. blue though. I would bleed blue. Anybody doesn't know. I have blue hair. I have blue hair. <laughs> and do you think you'll have blue hair even in your sixties? I'm just curious. I don't know. I hope I have hair that's, like, you know, <laughs> capable of being bleached and dyed. I mean, it'll be white by your 70s or 80s, so, Which like... Which is probably a good reason to do it, then, yeah, if it's already white. You don't have white. to invest in, like, bleach. You're just exactly. like, oh, yeah. I could see it. I could totally see that mm-hmm. happening. I could yeah. totally see it. Like, for me, it's like, I don't think I'll... I used, I've gone through so many different hairstyles. I don't think I'll dye my hair again, and I think I'm going to leave it long forever. My mom has, like, really long hair, and she's, like, older, and I'm like, I like that aesthetic. Like, I think I finally, because I had bangs, I had short hair, I had blonde hair, I had pink hair. Like, I went through, like, a whole plethora of different options, Mm -hmm. and now I'm like, I like the way my hair is now. Who knows? Watch me, like, next year decide to change it. I mean, and that's okay. It's okay. It's okay, but for now, I feel, like, because I remember in the past, um, because I grew up, like, Asian in, like, a pre-normal, predominantly like white black whatever school and like I remember thinking like I'm gonna dye my hair blonde because that's prettier mm-hmm. and I remember saying that in therapy and my, my therapist was like mm, I'm cool with you dyeing your hair blonde but let's take let, let's let's unpack that and I think mm-hmm. it was honestly just growing up with like not a lot of Asian representation I mean don't get me wrong there were other Asians in my school but I like distinctly remember thinking like my dark hair is not pretty. Mm. And so, like, I went through the whole journey of dyeing my hair. Honestly, I don't know how you did it. Like, my hair was fried when I dyed it. And I, like, went to, like, got it professionally done. And, like, I just, like, I was just, like, oh, my God, it's just so, like, why am I doing this? It's for others, not for me. And so then I realized, like, I like my hair black. I like it long. It's finally healthy again. I literally just chopped it all off. 
and grew it back out. And yeah, that's my whole, I guess, queer eye journey with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mm-hmm. think you found something that makes you feel like your insides match your outsides. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, um, this is, like, on topic, off topic, but, like, getting LASIK was another thing where yeah. I was just, like, I recently just got LASIK on Tuesday. And so, like, my sincere shout-out, I guess I haven't, like, I'm shouting out artificial preservative-free um, eye drops because they've been saving my life right now. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. but, yeah, like, <laughs> I've been, like, going through the struggle of, like, should I do it? Yeah. And I will say, like, it was a life-changing experience. It really was. Anyone that wants to talk with me about it, I will happily talk with them about it. Because, like, I was very scared to do it at first when, like, I went for the consultation. Like, it's really, like, the failure rate is, like, 0.3%. Like, it's really not that scary. It was, like, a 15-minute procedure, but, like, it changed my life. Yeah. It was, yeah. But the thing is, like, I will say it is very pricey, though. Like, my insurance only covered, like, 15% of it. Because mm. it's, like, considered, like, a cosmetic thing, right? Because, like, technically it's not, like, a medical thing. So... I think it's also thinking of, like, you know, you have to prioritize, like, financial expenses and, like, you have to be able to live and everything like that. But I think appearance, like, I will say this has, like, changed my life. Like, I I would 100% do it. I think it's one thing that Mm -hmm. we need to be more conscious of. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just, like, a cosmetic thing Mm -hmm. as insurance companies want to make you think. But it is, like, a quality of life Mm -hmm. improvement thing. And I think, and I hope, and that's, like, my intention for everybody is to hopefully choose things in their life that give them quality of life improvements right Mm -hmm. you know yeah like people that get lip fillers some people really want that i'm like go for it if that's what makes your quality of life better do it yeah as long as you're okay yeah there's there's also the fine line also like doing it for yourself not for others like there's this whole thing with it but like i know some people like i follow this tiktoker i think her name's mckay like she does makeup or whatever and she like got lip fillers and she like is she so happy with it changed her life because she had really thin lips and like she just really wanted that pouty look and she does makeup for a living and I, I I can tell it makes her happier so I'm like I don't judge you for that do it you know yeah. I think there's like a fine line of like if you if you like do something and like don't tell people about it I don't know how do you guys feel about that like if people like get work done and then like hide it do you guys think that's like good or bad as long as they're not like you know I, I and I'm grateful now that there is more content out there on social media that's like, this is what my body really looks like. And like, mm-hmm. because there are also a lot of filters out there and people, like especially I think the younger generation do apply a lot of filters on themselves to make them look a, a certain way because that's what how they want other people to see them as. And I think that's where the body dysmorphia happens. But if, you know, like, I, I still think like, I mean, I still think a lot of the choices that you make should be a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not you choose to publicly disclose that should be also a personal choice. As long as you're not, like, shifting the story or changing the narrative where it's like, no, this is how my body has always looked like. You know Because I mean? that can be detrimental to people that you yes. know, follow you. With friends, yeah. family, if, even if you don't have a following, that can be detrimental to a young person and like being like oh well why does my body not look like that right. there's like there's like a i don't know it's a tricky it's a tricky conversation for sure right mm-hmm. yeah there, i mean it's when somebody wants to cover up the fact that they got work like it suggests like some sort of internal struggle with mm-hmm. wanting to actually accept that it was like not natural for them to get that but you know hopefully if they were to see that it's just a choice that they don't have to be ashamed of. Yeah, I think destigmatizing, destigmatizing, yes. like it, plastic yeah. surgery or, or whatever Botox. I think destigmatizing it and doing it in a safe and healthy manner, I think is fine. And I'm I, cool with I that. think it's still so hard because a lot of times people are just 
you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. Yeah. You either mm-hmm. are, like, criticized, like, oh, you don't have big enough boobs, you don't have, like, whatever. But then when you have work done, it's like, oh, you got, you got, like, a, you got a boob job. You got, like, yeah. and so Your it's body's like, fake. Like, you're, you're so little, fake, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So it's like you can never win in these sorts of situations. Mm-hmm. This is why, like, Re- Daisy, what you're saying really resonates with me. It's like, as long as you're doing it for yourself and you're happy with it, like, I don't want it to be coming from, like, an external motivator of, like, oh, I need to be this certain person um, in order for people to like me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's yeah. also the nature of the work. Like, if you got LASIK done, no one can see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you can tell if I don't wear glasses anymore. Yeah. Right, yeah. But, like, it's no one's business whether or mm-hmm. not you do get plastic mm-hmm. surgery. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that, like, the visual differences mm. are so noticeable that like what the the procedure that you are doing in nature is going to be changing the way you appear yeah. to other people. That is true cuz like technically like LASIK is whatever cosmetic but it's not as like super changing as say a boob job or like a lip filler or something like that. What so, about just getting your freaking yeah. appendix removed? Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's yeah. not business what you do to yeah. your body. That's exactly. true. Exactly. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that like with plastic surgery or you know not unfortunate necessarily because you want people to see it but it, it is true that it's it's, with, it's that it's taboo and stigmatized that's what the i think the granular issue is yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so yeah i think in moral of the story if you do it for you and you do it like in a way that like makes you happy and you're not hurting others i think a-okay because i think it's respect. very situational because for you you dye your hair and it's totally fine but for me i think i was doing it for an unhealthy right, reason yeah. so like it's like everyone's situation exactly. yes. it depends on the person mm-hmm. i'm doing it yeah. for myself yeah i think any kind of body modification mm-hmm. should be fine tattoos yeah. piercings yeah hair color mm-hmm. why should boob job be any different yeah exactly i mean what I, about top surgery i'm gonna get my boobs taken out yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah what's wrong with that mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> i agree Oh, this is a good conversation. Yeah. yeah. Alisa, right, what's your media obsession? Oof. I've been trying to think hard on, like, what my media obsession is. Well, you can do, like, books. You've been listening to, yeah. like, or reading a lot of books, right? I have. Oh, I've actually had a kind of, like... Oh, a, Daniel a, Radcliffe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I So, you know, funny story. Like, I think, you know, I recently, with my sisters, just kind of... And I'm not going to get into the J.K. Rowling turf issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, it's I think it's very challenging. I, I, I don't to separate know. book from author, I think to, it's challenging. Yeah, to, to separate the book mm-hmm. from the author because, like, growing up, I think just, like, my experience with having those books as a means of an escape, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, having right. friends. Hey! Can you just... Sh- there you go. Okay, sorry. Sunny got on the counter. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, it's like, I, I think it's, it was, it's like a struggle because it's like, you know, you have these stories that were kind of an in, in, integral part of you growing up. And honestly, it was like one of my first times of seeing an Asian actor be a love interest. Yeah. You know? Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Cho mm-hmm. Chang, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that name, first of all, too. I hated <laughs> that name, but I really appreciate her being there. Yeah, the I only Asian that. kid in Hogwarts. Her literally Cho Chang. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, everyone else was saying was like, Hermione. Like, you know, yeah, like that's like not even a real name. name. Like, yes. you could have named her something not Asian sounding. She yeah. literally just picked Cho Chang. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> the most what the fuck? Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. But yes, regardless, yes. I'm happy she was there and that she was. Yeah, I was a Indian character too, right? There were two. There were twins. There were twins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so you know, you know, and so like I think both the books and also like the movies mm-hmm. were, like, and growing up too, like my you know my 
that's a, books and media like what was a way of me getting in touch with the American culture and so yeah it was just like you know it's a recent like when I rewatched the the video rewatched the Harry Potter movies um and I saw Daniel Radcliffe's work mm-hmm. I think it kind of brought me back to the time when I was like however young I was mm-hmm. four, 14 and like maybe like watching these watching these movies <laughs> I just see you sorry no no worry <laughs> I just see Tommy's over here, and my cat is spazzing the fuck out. She was like, <laughs> this is hilarious. She's yeah. like backing the fuck up into this toilet. Like some kind of booty too. She's like, that's what I'm saying. She has night zoomies. I think it's because she sleeps during the day, so like at night she's just like alert. This is her time to shine. Like usually I'm asleep, so she's just like playing and scuttering. Like <laughs> the reason I laughed at her but action. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, circle back, circle back. So we're talking about Daniel Radcliffe, enjoying Harry Potter and, and American dis- culture. Yeah, disassociating that yeah. with the mm-hmm. author and the creator, right? Yeah. Like, but then also seeing, you were talking about his acting journey oh, yes, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, as I've come back to acting um, this past November, I think like seeing his journey as an actor, and I obviously way different experience from a young age he got cast into a franchise that like very massively successful right millions of dollars Mm -hmm. and so like maybe he can be very choosy with the work that he does now right but as like an asian woman and like kind of figuring out the kind of roles that i i want to be playing and the kind of roles that are my type um you know I, i i've had to like give myself permission that I could be funny, I could be big, and I could be, like, you know, I didn't have to be this meek, shy, like, oh, mm-hmm. like, I think Daisy mentioned ingenue, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, mm-hmm. or, you know, and, and so I think, um, just, like, and I, so I watched a couple more of, like, Daniel Radcliffe's work, which was, like, both, um, Swiss Army Men, and also, yeah. which is, I actually watched yeah. it in Sundance, it was so good. Yeah, we yeah. went to Sundance together 2016. Oh my god, yeah. yeah, did we watch it together? I, I missed it, and I know, okay. like, you know, I think I was under, I was also underage at the time, so <laughs> I, I, like, and I didn't have a pass, Yeah. so I totally missed out, like, I think Daniel Radcliffe actually spoke mm-hmm. at, at Sundance that yeah, year, Yeah, that too. was, like, such a fever dream experience. I'm gonna be real honest with you, I forgot that you were also in No, no, experience. I mean, that was, like, all, like, it was a weird experience. It was a weird, and we could talk about that later, but yeah, it was just such a fever dream, because there was just a lot of stressors and, like, drama that was drama. going on. Yeah, yeah like, I, I think, like, it was a very magical experience, because I got to see a lot of things, meet a lot of cool people, but also, like, I think I blocked a lot of it out, because I, I repressed, it was, tr- yeah. I've repressed it. Yeah, yeah I completely I've, forgot you were there. No, 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 no yeah. worries, yeah, no, I've repressed yeah. a lot of it, too, mm-hmm. don't worry, yeah. but, like, um, yeah, I just, you know, it's funny, like, maybe I didn't have, like, those experiences of, like, going into the films mm-hmm. and, and seeing seeing the work. Yeah. But, like, revisiting it now and also, like, maybe also his recent work, Miracle Workers, I think, um, and again, I don't want to say that his work as a white male represents my work <laughs> as an Asian female because I know, I, I do feel like I, I have barriers I have to overcome. Yeah, but the fact that, like, he came from such a, like, a famous franchise, he could have, like, yeah. stayed in he that sort of, like, role. Or retired. And, yeah. and the fact that he's, like, choosing the roles for himself now. Really, I like, think, interesting, cr- not crazy roles, but just, like, out of the ordinary that yeah, I like, would expect like, him to do. Yeah, very, yeah. like, character, like, mm-hmm. character, character roles, but still finding the truth in them, mm-hmm. I think has given me more permission to be, like, kind of come into my own. Like, just, like, realize, like, you know what, like, 
fuck it I'm just gonna make this choice Mm -hmm. and like it's gonna be so like totally against what people initially see me as and like they they have a type in their mind right like um and so I I think yeah Daniel Radcliffe and also just to like I started watching Miracle Workers when I got COVID Mm -hmm. And is it a show or is it a TV? It's a show. It's okay. a, it's like it's like a show on HBO. And so okay, I'm I'm, I'm gonna watch. Yeah, it. It, you know, it's yeah. honestly, you know, I don't know what like growing up, like TV was very much a means of like like learning about American culture and also like kind mm. of as an escape, right? Oh, all of a sudden, like you know, if my dad was really you know whatever to me, mm-hmm. I would go to Friends. I would watch Friends because that was my those were my friends even though I didn't see myself in, in the show, those were my friends, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was There like was that company. one Asian character that Ross dated the, that, like, the, everyone the, hated. The mistress, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the mistress. She was, she was cool. She, she was, was cool, chill. Yeah. yeah. Julie, yeah. Julie, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah. what's her name? Julie. Yeah, but, but it's like, there's literally, in that 10-season show, like, there's one, one like, Asian. Well, maybe there were a few other, but that one distinct one, and she yes. played, like, such a, like, the mistress character. Yes, exactly. Anyway, I digress. That's a side yeah. tangent. But yeah, so I think... You know, um, what was I saying? She when wasn't I, a mistress. Okay. I, I do, I, yeah, I want to say, but, like, kind of, like, the distraction. They're ne- yeah. not, like, the part of the main cast. If anything, what I think was really interesting about her as an Asian woman being cast in that role was that she was very, very polite. Mm. She was very, very perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nice. Yeah, and that's what you expect out of an Asian woman. Yeah, nice. That's, yeah. Just, that's the stereotype. That's the storyline. Like, we can't be messy. We can't mess up. We are, yeah. like... Can't be emotionally, you know, like, oh, yeah. yeah. And that, like, ugh, that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah. like, you know, and I'm still new to acting, right? Like, as I'm, like, doing these new roles, I'm finding more and more what resonates with me when I'm booking in particular. And, um, like, I would love the chance to, like, try something, like, completely wild and, like, you know, very character-y. Mm-hmm. But still, like, again, still grounded, right? Like, just because you're a character actor, you're, you're like, someone who's playing a character doesn't mean you're you're out of this world right or you're not even like yeah sorry I have a question for you yes <laughs> so on one hand I want to be like well do you feel like there is you know the freedom to because when you're pursuing a character specifically to kind of shed your Asian identity and just pursue that character and like the nature of their tendencies or whatever yeah. like you know so on one hand you feel like maybe you can get shed that Asian identity. On the other hand, do you feel like there's some sort of, like, responsibility as, like, an Asian actor to, like, always hold on to that Asian identity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's it's something something, something so interesting because, like, I'm going to address the second part really quickly first because I remember, like, I don't remember how long ago this this was, but, like, I think it was a Mindy Colling mm-hmm. was talking about how she felt like she had to represent the entirety of Asia, the Asian race, like, being an Asian actor, right? And so I, I like I think part of like it's a it's like a it's almost like a like these two parts of my myself are like fighting against each other. The one hand, like I will always want to fight for representation. The on the other hand, I don't want to speak for the entirety of my race. Yeah, that's like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's like a thing that like I think we learned in Open Lab too. It's like I, I feel like in the classroom or whatever. It's like you, even though I'm like I'm Chinese, but I'm I'm a hundred percent American. I don't know any like I was. Born and raised in Auburn, Alabama. I don't know anything about Chinese culture, honestly, for real. Like, when people were talking about, like, Lunar New Year, people were wishing me Lunar New Year, and I was almost feeling like, I mean, I feel more, like, attached to Happy New Year from, like, you know, December 31st than Lunar New Year, because I didn't really grow up with those traditions, because my family, like, 
we didn't celebrate it as because I'm not really that close with my extended family, so we didn't really yeah. I didn't really have that as my culture, right? Yeah. So I think it's a certain thing of like representation, but also representing your story. Like I don't know about yes. you, but like I'll just talk from me personally. Like if I were to go into acting and something like that, I would want to represent the story of like an Asian American because that's my story. You yeah, know? and I very much resonate with that. And it wasn't until like, and this is why I say I love SF Playhouse's work. The first time where I saw an Asian American specific story was King of the Yees. And mm-hmm. it was like very much tied to like the Chinese American story of not knowing the language, of like being like, you know, like put in this kind of weird environment of cultural differences and everything. And so even specifically my own identity very much resonated with you. Yeah, I think I, I identify as Chinese American, but my parents were Vietnam War refugees. So it's not like I ever really like felt like fully connected with my like Chinese American friends because you know you know we did make dumplings but most Mm. of the time like my mom made spring rolls like Vietnamese spring rolls that was our home dish and we would eat more Vietnamese food than Chinese food and so and then like but then like as I'm like auditioning for these like Southeast Asian roles it's like am I going to be seen as too East Asian like um and and so it's, it's kind of like this this battling identity of like oh am I ever going to be enough right it's, it's always like mm. like is my identity even valid like if people don't see that or are people going to say that i'm going to i'm appropriating another person's culture when this is the only culture that i've known right and, and there's also this other aspect of acting yeah. too right like 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 taking over <laughs> tommy you're like this <laughs> i mean it's true it's very true and like i think it's like a but with acting it's like you're also, like, it's hard because you're taking on the role of someone else, yeah. right? So why is it, like, okay for a British man to play an American guy? Like, it's, like, yeah. it's like it's yeah. hard. And, like, but it is taboo for, like, a Japanese guy to play a Chinese guy. Or, like, actually, on the other hand, I think before it wasn't taboo. They were just casting Asians to play any kind of Asian By race. any means yeah. necessary. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, get the Asian mm-hmm. person on screen. Even if they're, yeah. like, a Korean guy playing a Taiwanese person. Yeah. Or, like, a, you know. So, like, now I think there is a bit more of, like, okay, now that there's more Asians on screen, okay, you have to play your Asian. But it's, yeah. like, hard for, especially for your case, because it's, like, you're both Vietnamese and Chinese in, in, in a way, you know? Right. So, like, it's, like... God, it's so difficult. Like, and, and for me, it's more of just like, I don't even, I don't know, it's so difficult because I feel like I, if I impersonate a Chinese accent, I sound racist, but I'm more comfortable impersonating a Southern accent. Mm. So it's just like, it's just tough. And it's, it's sad to me. It's like, I don't see that type of, you know, American story. There's so yeah. many Americans out there that are like me that are just like, I'm American. I know I look Chinese and I am Chinese and I do identify with a part of that. But I'm like, I would say like 90% American. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and yeah. I, I think, you know, going back to what you were saying mm-hmm. about how in some ways, like, your insides and your outsides not matching. It's yeah. Like so, yeah, like, exactly. That's like part of the experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, be, like being the children of immigrants or even being an immigrant to a new country, it's like, you have this dichotomy of who who you think you are and how you were raised and like how it's this mix of like cultures and then you have the perspective of what people see you as and most of the time a lot of the time they don't match and so it's like who am I really like all of a sudden you're doubting your own identity because it's like oh no like should should I only be paying like even like when I was in high school like I think I was you know I don't know, I always like to be ugly, make people laugh, like, all those things, and I got shut down a lot, and so I was like, oh, like, maybe am I just supposed, in order for people to like me, because I'm a huge people pleaser, maybe I should just be small. 
I should just like shut down. I should just be small. And that really carried me through like high school, college, and like after even after graduating. It's like I I, I think the brain in general doesn't like it when like um, there's a disconnect between your identity and what you do, right, and, or, and who you are, right? Like, and so it's like when other people put that on you, like it's like what do you do, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. So I think it's like, it's such a hard question. Like, to, your question was really hard, Tom, because like, do you stay true to that, you know, your culture and your identity? Or can you, is it okay to pursue character, like character character roles that are not driven by your identity? Well, you want to know something kind of messed up? Go ahead. I'm sometimes like painfully unaware of the fact that I am Indian. <laughs> yeah. Because there's just such lack of awareness mm-hmm. about like Indian representation that I forget there's an, a world in which I couldn't play an Indian. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like I don't think of that as like an option or a possibility because the stories aren't there yet. I think there's more yeah. stories for Asian Americans. Yeah, we were right talking now. about this in dinner. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think there's like a lot more like. Um, and I don't know if we if we were talking about like they're in terms of like Asian American it's like in terms of like our growth and like being able to like you know we've had that growth in America versus because we were around since like the gold rush age or like right. building the transcontinental mm-hmm. railroad but for Indians like they immigrated a lot later the right? history of Indian Americans mm-hmm. is like maybe a sixth of like the history of Asian like Chinese Americans in general. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not in general. Specifically. Right, right, right. And I, yeah. I look forward to the day, and I wonder if there will be the sense of responsibility ignited in me the day that there are, like, res- stories being made. And I also yeah. wonder if there's some sort of deep guilt in me for not being part of the people who are starting to put those stories out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I kind of feel like maybe I just gave up on it. Like, maybe yeah. I just didn't try that hard. But also, like, it's like, there's guilt, but it's like, you you don't have to represent your entire race. Yeah, I think that's that's, that, comes, that comes back to the biggest thing. Is like, people expect you to here. Yeah. And, like, you just kind of got to, like, be selfish in a way and be like, you know... In certain moments, you, you can choose to, like, represent your culture and your identity right, and feel right. proud in it. But, like, you should also be able to have the freedom to explore things without your identity being attached. Yeah. Because when you're white, yeah. that's the default. Yeah, that's you the default. You, you don't, don't have to think about, you know, representing your culture. True. Because that's what people think of as... When they see whatever yeah. characters on stage. And so, like, mm-hmm. going back to your idea, like, I very much resonate with you, like... All I wanted in college was, like, I just wanted to be, like, in a period renaissance piece. Like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to be, like, the main actor in a Chekhov piece. I didn't want to be, you know, this, like, meek Chinese, like, servant role, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is, like, yeah. or these side characters. And so, like, I think there was, like, and I think I already mentioned this, this disillusionment of, like, acting and, like, oh, are the roles out there for me only these, like, side roles? Mm-hmm. And, and there's this desire to just... You know, I don't want to represent my entire race. I just want to play the love interest of this one right. person. I just want to play this love interest. I just yeah. want to. I just want to be in every other American story, which is like the kind of most of what the default in Hollywood is, like an American story, right? Like, yeah. And I think there should be room. Like, I think Hollywood should make room for people of color to do these types of things. Yes. This should be normal. This shouldn't be like a thing we have to fight for. Exactly. And so, like, I'm, and, and then again, this is going back. I'm very grateful that more of the our stories are being told. Same. I agree. But yeah. like, you know, the thing is, like, even though the audience is there from like the Asian culture, like white America, I feel like is still very cl- slow to catch up. Like. 
you're gonna see Tom Holland in Spider-Man way before you're gonna go see Minari, or you're gonna see like you know some other like yeah. Asian American pr- pr- primarily dominant cast. And so even though the works works being put out there, the rest of the United States hasn't caught up to like, you know, like. And it's not the fault of the creators. It's not the fault of the community. It's just like people haven't gotten used to this and there needs to be that shift. And I don't know what the answer to that is, right? You know what's really pathetic? (laughs) What? I cannot remember another like Indian American narrative besides fucking Bend It Like Beckham. Do you guys remember Mm-mm. that? It's like the I don't even soccer. Remember that. Oh my god, really? You don't remember? Yeah. It's like maybe like early two thousands, I mm-hmm. guess. It's yeah. like about this like girl who plays soccer, and like it's the one movie where you kind of see like the family. I guess big my my big monsoon wedding too or something. I guess yeah. there's a couple, but like that's the one that comes to mind is like ooh, it was like this big favorite, or whatever. And then there none after that. Like, I'm trying going. to think. I would say like. This wasn't in my zeitgeist either. So there, there have maybe there are some, but I just can't think of any. Yeah. You know, you know what's funny because like when you you said that, like, I think what 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 it is like. I'm connecting the dots here. It's because like, in some ways, these this push for Asian like Asian American stories or you know what you're mentioning, it's like it almost feels like they're just trying to fill a diversity quota. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, we'll put it out there. Okay, there. You know, yeah. and it's like there's no work. Like where where is the advertisement for it? Where is the you know. Like, where is, like, all the attention that's being put on these stories that is normally put on, like, these huge blockbusters starring mm-hmm. white people? Right. And why do I keep getting the sense that it's, like, your time to shine? Like, I'm just, mm-hmm. like, it's not, this is not, Indian no. Americans, like, it's just not a thing. Like, it's just not a thing yet. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then they'll, they'll, they'll point out to, like, that one actor. It's like, oh, but then, you know, there's that one actor, yeah. that one Indian, mm-hmm. an Indian actor, yeah. you know, that's, like, successful. It's like, okay, well, one for the every hundreds of thousands of millions of yeah. white actors, right? I mean, this goes really deep. It really does. I mean, I'm thinking about something in high school where, like, you know, I did a lot of directing in high school and, like, I did a lot of, like, random scenes from different things, blah, 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 blah. And then it's, like, my one final project. I could choose anything that I wanted to do. And I picked this story about this, like, Indian warrior princess. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being like, ugh. Do I really want to do this? Like, it's so <laughs> expected of me to, like, do something like this. And then the other yeah. side of me was like, you've never done anything fucking Indian in your life. Like, yeah, yeah, do yeah. something to, like, at least prove to yourself that you care <laughs> yeah. that, that you're Indian. Right, you know? right. I was like, yeah. why did I have to, like, have this little, like, battle inside mm-hmm. to, like, make some representation of something yeah. that actually reflected me? If you think about this, think about, like, a German-American guy who was born in America, identifies with being American. Would he have the same struggle of, like, like, mm, I should do like a German film for my student film. Like, yeah. you know, like, or, or, or should I do like a film about me and my friends um, pulling a heist? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, something like that. So yeah. it's like, it's different. It's just so different. I don't know. Yeah. I still get the sense that I'm like, we'll have our time to shine. We're not ready for it yet. I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm, it'll take me many, many sessions of therapy to finally feel like we deserve that screen time. Yes, like, exactly. You know? And it's, I feel like it's going to be, I, I hate to say this, and I, I guess it's going to be this way, you know, and I, I, not to say that it has, like, it has to be this way. It's just like, we're going through the growing pains of like yeah. introducing these new stories. And I'm so grateful that there are more programs out yeah. there that are like, I think HBO has like these AAPI visionaries uh, program where they are bringing more Asian American narratives and stories um, 
HBO and Netflix, whatever, like film festivals and stuff. But that's the thing: is white America still going to watch that? Right? Are but they? The thing yeah. Is, I think it's changing because I think with Crazy Rich Asians, I remember watching like I don't know what interview it was, but someone was talking about how there was a, a feedback where it's just like, okay, we should have more white characters, and I think the director was pushing back and was like, yeah. no, we're gonna. It's an Asian romantic comedy. Everyone's gonna be Bloody, Asian. Yeah. So and then, and white America ate that shit up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. I mean, there's a demand out there. Mm-hmm. It's just like. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish more resources were being, you know, more resources right. were putting out there. There needs to be the writers who feel inspired to actually write the stories, yeah. and then there needs to be the money from the studios to actually elevate those stories. Yeah, not just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we're investing in this diversity program. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, I do on one hand think, like, it is, I think it's better than it's ever been before. Yes. So, yeah, like, I can, I, I'll just say, like, that's good. Maybe yeah. that's why I get a sense of like, oh, it'll come, it'll come, mm-hmm. it'll come. Like maybe I'm kind of interested in seeing how this pans out. I think there's yes. an opportunity for it. To- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, but thing is, I think there's an opportunity now for it to come because I would say like maybe like 50 years ago, 20 years ago, like I could not envision this like being a thing where like people want diverse stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but people do, you know. People so. Do. Hope for the future. Hope for the future. This is making me yeah. feel like, man, I gotta get back into showbiz. You like, do. You dude. do. Because right, right, yeah. I think, okay, one thing I realized too is like, in, in doing all of this and going through my internal turmoil of returning back to acting and being like, am, is there even a place for me in, in this world? Showing up matters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, showing up in whatever capacity that you have. Obviously, don't come back if you're not ready. Like, you know, or if you back, don't want to. Or if you don't want to, that's or not your fault. Or if I'm breaking barriers in other places. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I think, and this this has like been my work in tech in particular, where, you know, I kind of found myself gravitating towards like, how can I support underrepresented people in tech, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, I, what was the uh, Foundry program that you're talking? Yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, a bunch of a bunch of programs. But like, I you know, I helped start this intern mentorship program at my company, um, that was really just supporting um, like the new interns at the company, and then it led me to interviewing. And so, as an interviewer, you are a gatekeeper to the company in a way, right? And so, I remember like. In my interviews, I always try to make everybody feel like they have a, you know, they have a place here. They, how can I support them the most so that they can do their best work during this interview? How can I support them? How can I like, because like my experiences interviewing were just like, oh, like literally I had someone write diversity on top of my resume. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> and like, and I had people telling me to my face, oh, you wouldn't enjoy working here. And like, and people like, so much in the CS program, CS program at Cal, like a lot of like my male teachers were like why are you even doing this you don't you, you shouldn't be here you know like what yeah and so like I didn't like I realized it's so important to show up and be an interviewer so that you can give these opportunities and I say take a chance in quotes because these people are qualified they are talented maybe they're not the strongest technically technically but like they do have something that other people will just immediately discount yeah right like oh because of the way they look because of their upbringing you're just a diversity hire no you deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like, I haven't interviewed that many people, but people that I do interview, I want to make them feel as comfortable as possible. Right. Like, that's, like, I hate the idea of, like, being the Depend. bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you have to, like, test them a certain way. No. You, you want to see, like, how they interact with you on a normal basis. You don't want right. to, like, put them... Why, why make people jump through hoops like that? And I think there are still a lot of interview techniques out there that is, like... 
oh, like being stone cold, not being personable. Yeah, like, I do that to a white man all <laughs> I will be as cold and rigid towards every nine out of ten applicants because they are all white men. Do you do um, interviews? I did at my previous company. I haven't really started doing them. Do you do the, the bad cop technique? <laughs> I'll just say I have very intense feedback <laughs> in my reviews mm-hmm. when I actually score the candidate. Like, if it's a white man, I kind of, most of the time, find that they don't meet my expectations. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, maybe I'm being impar- I'm not being impartial, but really, like, from point zero, like, the reason why I did become like why I joined the interview panel you can tell it's very late I'm just I'm struggling now no it's okay it's okay yeah the reason why I decided to be on the interview panel in the first place was in case there are female candidates yes in case so they can see that I'm here Mm -hmm. you know what you said really like just resonate with me because like sometimes they like they'll try to like find a female like engineer to be on an interview panel so there'll be this one like principal there's this okay i i highly respect this like female engineer she's she was a principal engineer before she became a manager mm-hmm. she's on like every single interview panel because yes. there are so few female engineers mm-hmm. and so like what you're saying like on the off chance that there is a female engineer i want to be there so that they can feel supported that they can be you know be there to like you know that you can be there to support them you know yeah Mm -hmm. and now this whole conversation is making me realize like i think i want to do that more and more for indian girls exactly i can't think of a single i i don't know a single indian person in sales besides Mm. me in tech sales yeah it's a cutthroat job Mm -hmm. it's a really really shitty world honestly with the amount of people that kind of shut you down it takes a lot a lot of like, like on your stamina. team on your team specifically are you the only one indian i have not met another indian salesperson at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that's not a thing mm-hmm. that's interesting i mean it's not a thing but like it's like i have not met a single indian yeah. person that's a and like uh just to circle back on one thing you said because i remember you saying like you're a little harder on white guys yeah and i will say i just want to say like because I, I know there's going to be some white guy out there that's listening and is like, eh, that's racist. So, but, but yeah. go ahead, go ahead. So it's not that I'm harder on them. Yeah. It's that, you know, I when I talk to somebody, one of the things I'm gauging is their passion and their hunger for why they should be in this job. And so much of the time what I get from white male candidates is entitlement. Mm-hmm. That, well, duh, I've done all the things that I need to do and I submitted my resume and I got here. So, I mean, I why wouldn't I deserve this job? And I find that that doesn't excite me as a potential colleague. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to work with someone who feels entitled. I do provide feedback based on the answers they gave me. And somebody, some people provide good answers to the questions that I provide. And I don't hold it against them that they're white. But if I get, nece- like, if I get the sense that like they're entitled about something, it's not that I give that feedback in the form. It's that I don't really... Like the the question the feedback question might be like, Oh, can you see them on your team? And it's like, No, I, I don't feel excited to work with them. Like I don't necessarily most of the time, like it's like, okay, I don't necessarily get the sense that they're a team player, you know, based on their answers to my questions. Like very, very often I don't I don't know what this has I don't know how this happens. I can't tell you the amount of times where a white man will answer a question about a group dynamic, like a group project question and always blame it on someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Whereas, like, the one Latina woman I talked to was, like, I took all the responsibility for everything that went wrong. I'm like, 
I'm not going to say on his profile, like, oh, he's a white male, but I'm telling you guys in this conversation, there's a pattern. Mm-hmm, there's yeah. a pattern of entitlement. Yeah. Like, literally, well, I was just talking to you guys about this earlier, but I had a friend who literally had to sit down with management and a coworker because he was literally putting work for her to do. Right. Like, really, like, they have a set thing, like, she's an event planner, right? And, like, at the end of the event, they're supposed to be the ones that help clean up. He was always giving it to her or other people. And so she finally had to go to management and say, hey, he's not doing his job. And when they had that sit-down conversation, he was, like, so defensive, did not want to take any kind of criticism, got offended that they even had the audacity to say that. Right. And it's just, like, but there's obvious evidence that you're not doing your job. Why can't you just take constructive criticism and just learn from it? And I'm not saying this is all white guys or anything like that, yeah. but, there, but there is this pattern, right? Yes. And I will... And, and occasionally, <laughs> yeah. sorry, and occasionally when there is a white man who genuinely, like, is giving me good answers to why he deserves the job, I give him the highest remarks. I give him the five stars, yeah. whatever he deserves. There's nothing yeah. about it that means, like, if you're a white man, you don't deserve this role. But it's just a matter of the fact that the candidates who are white men consistently demonstrate patterns of entitlement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say, just to wrap it up, so, like, I when I was in grad school, I did um, women in business. And so we had, and it was at Auburn University, and I would say, like, the grad school, like, it was, like, there's 30 of us in my MBA program, and I would say, like, God, how many of us were women? Like, maybe, like, 10% or so. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of women. Um, and so I remember, and, and like the grad school was like a very small program and in the, the whole undergrad, like university, obviously there's more, um, and there's a lot of frat boys and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to just blame it all on frat boys, but I just remember one day we were like tabling and we were like handing out flyers for like women entrepreneurship week or something. And like, I just remember distinctly like handing a flyer to someone, a guy, and was like, hey, here's this. We're giving out free candy and buttons and coupons and stuff too. And then he, but I did him like a, a sheet. We were giving out sheets with stats about women and female entrepreneurs and how like their, you know, uh, businesses that are led by females are very successful. Like they oftentimes succeed. Like this is how the percentage of money, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, why do I need this? Why do I need to take this? And like I had, and that was, it was not just one guy. It was multiple, like any guy I tried to hand a flyer to, did not take it or if they took it threw it away some guys did take it and were like really appreciative of it but i just distinctly remember the ones that didn't take it you know and so like it's like that sort of thing it's just like it's a place of entitlement and like coming back from like not being able to like empathize in a certain way that yeah yeah, the lack of empathy the lack of because you don't have to like go through those experiences so you don't gain that empathy you know like that's yeah. what it is. Right. And so you're never lowering the bar. Like, I, I don't think that when I talk to a Latina woman that I'm lowering the bar no. for her. If anything, I'm just like, she's exceeding that low bar that was already set for those stupid white men. Sorry. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. her yeah. perspective, the reason why we say diversity is so important and diversity of thought and diversity of perspective is so important is because you really gain a lot of insight that makes you a great employee when you come from a non-traditional background. That woman, that Latina woman who is interviewing for a sales role, she really doesn't have to do much besides just just express her experience to show that she would be sharp and she would be good at this job because she's seen a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. She's seen a lot. She's been through a lot. She knows how to come on top come out on top of it already like I don't have to I don't have to lower the bar for her she's already gone past that bar all I have to do is see her and give her the opportunity yeah Yeah. because I think that's that's the issue too is like 
I feel like people of color oftentimes don't get those opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So that's the thing too. And that's yes. why, I mean, that's why I became an interviewer, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what can I do? Like, I feel so lucky to be in my role at, like, at my tech company, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, theater major, you know, I was a senior already. I'd already, like, technically almost graduated. Like, who would give me an internship? One recruiter saw, oh, wow, you have a theater background. This is actually very interesting. I can see, you know, what your insight is. And then I showed up. And, like, somehow, you know, I got, I felt so lucky to have gotten that role. And it, I realize now that it only take, it takes literally one person to reject you. And, you know, and yeah. actually interviewing, too, is so hard. I have to say, interviewing is very hard. It depends. Like, even at those, like, I've gone to so many, like, Cal career fairs mm-hmm. where I'm literally talking. And one day, I'll talk to 80 students, right, mm-hmm. in one day. Five-minute conversations, seven-minute conversations in, like, 10 seconds I have to decide whether or not to move them on from an interview or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you get, if you happen to talk to the wrong person who is having an off day or happens to be distracted or happens to have a cold or even just like literally like you know not present for whatever reason or your story wasn't like quite right immediately rejected yeah within but, 10 seconds but that's just to say if you are that person who had that bad day and you had that one car- career conversation where you maybe got kicked out of the funnel it's okay you are where you're meant to be yeah you yeah. are where you're meant to be i will say i have a question for you though because you have done a lot of interviewing and yes. like you wrap it do it in terms of like because we, I've only done very minimal amount of interviewing experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like you've done maybe, maybe very minimal, and you've yeah. seen a pattern with white men. Just to bring it back, did you see a pattern? Because I, like, you've had like more experience with it, so I, I want to just like make it fair and make it even. Like I'm curious yeah. to hear your experience as an interviewer in terms of race, female, male, gender, whatever. So a lot of what I do, like I think a lot of the criteria, and I've, I've interviewed primarily interns, so people mm-hmm. who are like new to the industry, right? So I don't look for experience necessarily. The biggest things that I look for are, and these are three things that we like consistently look for. Are you humble? Are you hungry? Are you smart? So like, are you humble in that like, you know, in that situation where someone's asking you like, oh, like, give me an example of when you worked on a team or like, and things didn't go well, right? Are they like taking responsibility? Are they, you know, like whatever. And then hungry, you know, do they want to learn and grow? And they might not be the smartest, the most technically savvy, but they are like, oh, I really, like, wanted to try this, and then I tried this, and I, I built this in order to, to succeed in doing this, right? And then are they smart? Like, are they just, like, picking up to, like, whether that's emotionally smart, technically smart, where they're, like, picking up on cues, when they're, like, they take a hint that I give them, or they, they, they're, like, breezing through, and, they, you know, so those are the things that I primarily look for. And they're, you know, I've gone through a lot of training, too, of, like, making sure that it's, it's like, making sure I don't introduce unconscious bias but every single I have to say every single candidate that comes in I always want them to succeed regardless of their race Mm -hmm. I just want them to succeed but yes like you know sometimes like you'll get candidates who are so entitled who are so entitled who are just like you know like you know it's everybody's fault or you know they would give me these like you know or like you know honestly they, they sometimes just didn't make the technical bar but not only did they not make the technical bar they couldn't communicate with me, yeah. right? They mm-hmm. couldn't communicate to me about what they were struggling with. And so they were going through their own, like, mental barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it's, you know, it's tough. Like, my experience as an interviewer is going to be different from the experience yeah. of a different interviewer. Yeah, in a different field, different, I mean, you're hiring, yeah. 
like prof- like full time sales professionals, right. whereas you're hiring interns. Like it's yes. different. So yeah, and at the end of the day, like we're just two people. Like, yeah, exactly. Really, this like trend going on. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to explain on the cultural generation. Yeah, so people don't cancel level. us. Don't be offended. This is just like our like like POV, right? So like, just take it with what you will. Is what I'm I mean, trying to. We say. were talking yeah. about like how much yeah. a lot of it has to do with our family values and the yeah. fact that like a lot of us Asian kids <laughs> fucking ate shit from our parents, just always like coming down on us, being like, mm-hmm. "You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not yeah. enough." Like you know that stuff kind of makes it into our professional careers later down the road like i don't know what's going on in the homes of like white kids but like yeah <laughs> we, nurturing yeah. homes yeah like, it's, it's like there's it's different like it's not different. not for every white family and not for every asian family but there is a pattern like i keep there going back pattern. to that yeah yes mm-hmm. yes yeah. exactly and so all we're saying is like we see the pattern like, yeah it's like also just like fighting for your place you know what i mean like Fighting for your place to just exist in that environment, right? Like, whether that is... And somehow I've found myself in industries where they don't see me. Like, I'm still <laughs> the only female person on my t- engineer on my team. Yeah. Oh, God. And so... <laughs> and, like, and then, like, being an Asian actor, right? Like, even when I was... When I started back in, like, 2013, right? Like, you know, being Asian was still very... It still felt, like, very, like, very rare, right? And so... Um, all of this is to say we don't speak for like all Asian people and it, it's just like, it, yeah. it, it is like but our experience. I will say as someone who's Asian and kind of in tech and marketing, like for people like that look like me, don't be afraid to go out there and take those opportunities. Cause we're looking like yes. we're seeing you and we see your experience and we see that you're hardworking. Don't think that you're not enough because you are enough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if you honestly come in and you have brown skin, but you're still just as entitled, like I'm, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly no promises yeah, yeah like, exactly like exactly. it's nothing to do with like your race but definitely your cultural background oftentimes has an influence on who you are as a person yes it's just yeah, what exactly. it is um but yeah i think this is great we've literally talked for an hour and 20 minutes it's pretty yeah. crazy on top of our, already, on top like, of our other hour i totally realize i missed like one of your questions <laughs> you, you, you asked me like why like like, is me wanting to be all these characters a way for me to, like, just shed my identity of being an Asian? No, not if it's a way for you to, but, yeah, like, yeah. do you feel like you have the ability to just shed your Asian identity in order to pursue that? Yeah, I, I think that's that's very interesting. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it's hard because, like, growing up and, like, even just, like, pursuing acting, and I mentioned this earlier, I just wanted to be the love interest. I didn't mm-hmm. want my identity and it's like you know my friend told me about like I forgot what the terminology is of like kind of existing in these two worlds of and 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 like having to speak for both and like how what do you how do you deal with that situation right you you want representation you want your stories to be told but as like a performer too like that can't be all your roles you know that you do Mm -hmm. because I mean that just that just feels like you're getting playing like a type versus actually getting yes. to experience like the full realm of being an actor yeah you know yeah exactly yeah. like you know i remember like i mean there's so many white people that end up playing asian people oh that's screen. yeah very and frustrating. then you have like Gemma chan who mm-hmm. like played like someone in a, like a like a victorian piece and people were complaining about that Gemma chan you know asian actor mm-hmm. she played someone in a victorian piece and they're like mm, you know she doesn't she doesn't <sighs> look like she would be someone from that piece it's like what the what so it's like i don't know it's a tough conversation that like yeah there's a lot of layers with it as well um but i will say that like 
no matter where you are in your journey, you are where you are meant to be. Mm-hmm. Even if you are a white male who is a bit entitled, you are where you're meant to be. And you're going to, you know, that's yeah. kind of thing. Oh, well, that feels kind of racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That feels but kind of we like... We re-listen to this when we're not so tired and see if this is yeah. Um, Maybe rephrase that a little bit. I think in... Okay, to, to, to justify myself... Yeah, they are where they are meant to be because that's for how they got there, right? <laughs> the They're privilege there. has got the privilege. Deserve, yeah. yeah, I guess. But then also just to like check your privilege. Check your privilege. I think okay. everyone should check their privilege. Yeah, like we, we have, have privilege. privilege. We have privilege. We have privilege. Like being, yeah, living in a first world country as well. Li- yeah. Like being born in the states was like a huge. It's like yeah. a huge privilege, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, I can't imagine like being born in my hometown during mm-hmm. a wartime, right? And yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Like, we have the privilege to, you know, think about self-care and put ourselves first. Of saying like, this yeah. content out there without fear of without, being, Exactly. Like, right. like, saying, we've said some pretty, like, you know, not... Borderline. I mean, right, like, to the point, like, if, if I really, you know, if someone listened to this podcast who, who was... Mm, we're cancelable. Yeah, it's cancelable what we've said. But I will say, like, my field days are very loyal and I have a very nice audience that are not very mean. So, um, yeah. So I'm really lucky with that as well. Like, I have a platform where, like, I feel, I, safe feel, sharing, I feel right? safe sharing these things. And yeah. I will say mostly because it's like, I don't really have a really big audience. So, like, I feel like I can share these things. But you so. don't know. One day, like, one day, years from now, maybe literally be playing that. You know what? I now. stand by everything I've said, you know, because I'm learning and I'm growing. And, like, if I've said some things that maybe aren't, you know, coherent, it's 2 a.m. in the morning. We've recorded <laughs> for, like, three hours. So. And also, yeah. like, you know, especially, like, we should always, like, believe in someone's capacity to grow and change, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Just because we, we, we say that. these things now, it doesn't mean, like, this is the truth and of what we believe. Like, correct us <laughs> if we're wrong. Like, correct, yeah. if there's a new perspective, like, definitely, like, let us know so that it's not, like, we're not in this echo chamber of, like, mm-hmm. yes, what, how we believe because, yeah, and... Be kind. <laughs> I mean, be kind. Like, we're, we're learning. We're not, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not so tied to these, like, thoughts that we don't think that there could be another perspective yeah exactly in 20 years from now when we've learned a lot better yeah you know, in 20 we'll years from now let's forgive yeah. us forgive us for our misgiving <laughs> I, I think we've said things that are pretty valid though and like yeah. i stand by what we're we've just said. self-conscious about criticizing the white man yeah mm-hmm. it's true yeah i'm i welcome criticism and construct constructive criticism yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think I think this is a good place to end it. Thank you guys so much for like literally sitting here and podcasting with me for three hours, and That's also so like much having like an hour and a half dinner just before yes. that. We spent a lot of time together. I feel like I was like yeah. we were gonna we're gonna exhaust everything <laughs> during our dinner conversation. No, we did not. I think we yeah. still have so much more to talk about too. Like you guys definitely need to come back on the podcast. Thank I hope this you. didn't scare you away from not from at all. All, yeah. all we did was eat and talk. It was great. <laughs> It was great. It was yeah. fantastic. This was this was really great. Um, okay, let's end this. Um, do you guys want? To, do you guys know my outro? Okay, we can say it together. It's love y'all. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a daisyish day. Okay. You want to do take a piece? Uh, yeah, we can take a piece. Say love y'all. Okay, love y'all. Sorry, what was it? <laughs> love y'all. Thanks for listening. Hope okay. you have a daisy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Love y'all. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a daisyish day. Wait, I feel like you should say the date. Yeah, okay, we can, we can, we can reverse it. I don't want to say love y'all, I feel weird about it. Okay, you you want to say love y'all? 
Love y'all. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a daisyish day. you're you guys you guys love you guys you can say love you guys right that's what you that's what you would say instead of y'all or you all no we're not close like that <laughs> <laughs> like being like, expressing my love to strangers like what is this <laughs> oh okay i see i see that makes sense that makes sense so you would say like like you guys thanks for listening you know, uh, appreciate okay. <laughs> you're all right <laughs> You can chill, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're Gucci. All right, cool. Okay. They're, okay. Your, they're your field daisies. They're right. my they're field daisies, daisies, and yeah. I do love them very much. Bye. Oh, boy.